Welcome to the Covert Narcissism Podcast. I'm your host, Renee Swanson. He is not a narcissist. There's no way. He can't be. I tried so hard to convince myself that my husband was not a narcissist. I truly did not want to accept this about him. At first, when I was researching narcissism out of desperation and survival, like so many of you out there, so many things lined up. I checked a whole lot of the boxes that applied. But then I would go back and I would rethink them. Well, maybe not this one. Maybe it doesn't really apply. Maybe that one isn't true. At least not all the time. It's normal to have some disagreements and some emotionally heated times. Maybe this is just normal. I tried so hard to convince myself that he was not a narcissist. I'm Renee Swanson, your host of the Covert Narcissism Podcast, and maybe you're feeling this too. Is this a healthy relationship? Is it not? Is this normal? Is it workable? Back and forth we go. Like a yo-yo, trying to figure this out can be so incredibly hard. You see, the signs that they are not a narcissist and the way a covert narcissist interacts with their world, mm, there can be some overlap there, and it can be incredibly confusing. Let's break this down. Let's look at the signs that somebody would not be a narcissist. Number one, you are not dealing with a narcissist if you can, at least most of the time, talk with them about things that are bothering you and vice versa. You actually feel safe talking with them. Well, I do agree that this is true. When you're, t- when you're talking to somebody who you feel safe talking to, that there's a very good chance they're not a narcissist. So I do agree with that. But things are not always what they seem to be when you are with a covert narcissist. I certainly thought that we were great at communicating with each other. I believed this wholeheartedly for years, even over a decade. One of the crazy things is that over those years, I already had a list in my head of things I would never say to him again, topics that weren't safe or at least ways that I would not talk about a specific topic. Yet, with that list in my head, I still thought we were good at communicating. I never even considered that we weren't. I felt like I could talk to him about anything. I just had to be careful how I worded it. Okay, but I'm good at figuring out how to say things to people, so that's not a problem. I can work around that. It doesn't mean I can't talk to him. I believed that we were having good and successful conversations all those years. But, you know, everyone goes through tough times once in a while, so it's very easy to even just disregard the tough times. I thought that he was listening to me, he was understanding me, and that I was listening to him and understanding him. So I would never have believed that I was with a narcissistic person. Number two, you are not dealing with a narcissist if they shut down, get defensive, start attacking you, stonewalling you, and holding you hostage in a circular conversation. All right, by this point in my podcast episodes, you know that these are signs of covert narcissism. And again, these things were happening far before I realized it. Not only did I not see it, I would have adamantly denied that they were there if someone had brought them 
to my attention. If somebody had come and told me, well, he's getting defensive, he's attacking you, he's doing, using circular conversation, I'd have said, what in the world are you talking about? You know, when he just, when he would shut down, I just thought he needed some space. Everyone needs that sometimes. If he got defensive, then I just thought, well, I needed to be more sensitive. I should be careful how I use my words. And that is true. We should be sensitive with other people. So it's so easy to justify. If you had said he's attacking me, attacking me? No, he's not attacking me. His attacks were so passive aggressive, I never saw them. He might say something like, you know, I'm confused. I don't understand what you mean. And, and he would say this in a conversation when things seem so simple and so clearly put. So I would just try to explain them again and maybe try a different approach. And he would say, well, you're not making sense. I can't follow you. And those comments were becoming very dismissive. I can't follow you, which means I'm not going partake, to partake in this or I'm not going to do what you're asking of me because I can't understand what you're saying. Well. I knew that this felt bad when he would say these things, and I often did not know how to make the conversation more clear to him. Maybe all I was doing was telling him the schedule of picking up the kids and maybe transferring the kids between us, and he would stay confused for an extremely long time in the conversation. I would simplify my statements more and more, and when he finally seemed to get it, I would walk away wondering, what's wrong with me that I can't talk more clearly to him? I did not see this as a tax. But now that I understand passive aggressiveness and the manipulation involved, I certainly see it now. Years of this went on before I realized he was being passive aggressive. I didn't really understand that phrase. You see, he started accusing me of always repeating myself, putting me down for it, telling me that I don't know how to communicate well and that he always understands me the first time. What? After years? Of him saying, well, I don't understand you. This doesn't make sense. And now he's accusing me of repeating myself all the time? I had no idea that this was abusive. I had no idea. I spent all of this time trying to get better at communicating, saying what I want to say more succinctly. I put all this effort into that to where now it consumed my head when I was communicating with him. Number three, you are not dealing with a narcissist if your partner can acknowledge when they do something wrong. When they apologize, take responsibility for their behavior. Maybe even take measures to correct their behavior. Okay, I agree with that. That would be a sign that they are not a narcissist. But things are not always what they seem to be with a covert narcissist. Covert narcissists can certainly acknowledge when they do something wrong. They can and sometimes do apologize. But these apologies have holes in them, and they're actually just another form of manipulation. They just don't feel quite right, but they may be just enough for you to say, well, but they do apologize. I do think they get it. Apologies are not always about the words that are being used. In fact, they are often not about the words being used. They are about the heart behind them. There is a huge difference between saying, hey, I'm sorry that I hurt you, and saying, hey, I'm sorry. There's a big difference here. And if you've ever worked with kids, you certainly have heard this difference many times. The child who is not remorseful for hurting the other child aggressively spurts out, I'm sorry. 
But the one who does carry remorse says, I'm sorry. The words are the same, but the heart behind them is very different. So while in your head you may be able to justify, hey, they did apologize. They said they were sorry that they hurt me. But your heart is screaming, that sure didn't feel like an apology. You need to listen to your heart because this is where the cognitive dissonance all comes in. When they say, I'm sorry that you took it that way, that is not an apology. That's an example of blame shifting. They are actually blaming you for misinterpreting their actions and their behaviors. This is all on you. Now, a skilled covert narcissist will take this type of statement, I'm sorry that you took it that way, and put it with a more sincere tone so that you hear, hey, I'm really sorry that you took it that way. That can feel like an apology. It can even feel like a genuine apology. However, nothing changes. Nothing changes in their actions because you're the one that was wrong for taking it that way. Did you hear that in that apology? I'm really sorry that you took it that way. In their eyes, it's you that needs to do the work to avoid further issues. They're off the hook. And they don't do anything to change their behavior. Another apology that's not an apology is I'm sorry, but. Anything after the word but is irrelevant. It's followed by excuses, blame shifting, guilting, passive aggressiveness. It's a way to get them off the hook. And the covert narcissist can be really sneaky with this one. Let's say they're late to a fancy dinner date that they have with you. And, and they come, you know, come in late, come walking in late, and they go, I'm sorry, but I had a flat tire. Now, maybe they really had a flat tire. Okay, that does happen. And again, it, it's so easy to justify, okay, they had a flat tire. Like, this is okay. They really are sorry that that happened. But again, there's a difference between them coming in and going, I am so sorry. I had a flat tire. I hate that I'm late. I really am sorry. That is different than the person that comes in and says, I'm sorry, but I had a flat tire. Again, it's in the heart that's behind the words. I'm sorry for everything. Well, that's a blank statement that doesn't mean anything. In fact, what it means is you're being mean to me. I'm sorry for everything. I'm sorry I'm the worst human ever. This is definitely not an apology. It's an exaggerated, self-deprecating statement, and it's intended to make you feel bad for calling them out for their behavior. It shifts them into victim mode. Covert narcissists do not actually genuinely apologize. They do not take true responsibility, and they certainly don't express guilt and remorse. Sure, they might feel bad. They might feel bad for getting caught. They might express shame but they're feeling bad about how this might affect them. They are not feeling bad about how it affects you. Number four, if your partner shows humility, you might not be dealing with a narcissist if your partner shows humility and wants to learn from you or others. They actually listen to your feedback, willing to accept that maybe you do know a thing or two about life. Covert narcissists really, really, really want to be the teacher. They place themselves above you and everyone else. They are the expert on everything. They will have none of your wisdom, your ideas, your thoughts, your experiences. However, 
Covert narcissists use mirroring to appear something that they are not. They will appear attentive to your thoughts and ideas. They will appear to show humility. They watch, they learn, and they adapt. They learn what empathy looks like from others, including you, and then they kind of figure out how they're supposed to act, what they are supposed to say, which is why the heart is not behind their words, because this is a mental exercise for them. And sometimes they often get quite good at this process, especially in the beginning of the relationship when they are very attentive to you in order to win their prize. They watch you and how you react compassionately in certain situations, and they copy this. My husband used to tell me that I was so good at training a dog to be in the home, like the the dog that I had in our home, and I know I've talked about this before. He said it was part of why he married me, how well-behaved my dog was. He would even copy some of my behaviors with the dog. However, when it came to actually disciplining now a new dog, a new puppy in our world, he took charge. He was going to do it his way, dominating over her, causing aggressive reactions in this puppy. And when I tried to talk to him about it, he made it very clear that my way was ridiculous and useless. What? This after he had told me, well, you're so good at training dogs. You're so good. And and he was copying some of my behaviors. But when it came down to it, he didn't want anything to do with any of my ideas. Number five, your partner might not be a narcissist if they're concerned about what you want or need. Well, they will act like they care if it serves them. They can look good to others. They can manipulate you into believing that they are a good person. They will run to the side of the person who has cancer, becoming the hero for them because it's a role that gives them a lot of attention. Especially because, you know, lots of people will be coming to this person and now they can play the role of caregiver and gatekeeper. If you are the one that's sick, they will step up to the plate. I will be the hero. I will take care of you because now everybody that comes to visit you sees how good of a person they are. They become the one getting all the attention, taking it away actually from the person who's sick. They use your ailments to become a victim too. I can't believe what is happening to my spouse, to my wife, or to my husband. It's so painful to watch them go through this, and they feed off the attention that they get. It's like they are becoming a victim in a way that can make them seem so empathic and compassionate. Covert narcissists will cry about victims of earthquakes and tornadoes, again, seeming to be so compassionate and empathic. Number five, and the last one I'm going to address here today, your partner might not be a narcissist if your partner supports you or is genuinely excited for you when you are in the spotlight. Okay, that may be true. However, if what you are doing makes them look good and they don't see you as competition, at least for a while, then they can be your biggest cheerleader. They can be on that sidelines cheering you on because you are the trophy that they have won. And this can feel like genuine support and happiness for your success until they start to undercut it. And they will. But this might be 10 years down the road. Like I said, it's so confusing trying to figure out, is this a healthy relationship? Is this a healthy person? Is this a compassionate person or not? Because covert narcissists play it so well. Most people in life don't want to be a narcissist. At least I think so. 
I, I think I can say that. I can't say all. There's probably some that, you know, they do surely thrive in it and they wear that badge proudly. And that's more the overt narcissist. But I believe for most, it is true they don't want to be a narcissist. Covert narcissists surely do not want to think that they are a narcissist. So they identify in a different way. They often identify themselves as being very compassionate and even as being an empath, a word that now also is being thrown around a lot. They believe it and they are incredibly convincing. Remember, covert narcissists have to be the best at everything. So if they view empathy as something of value, and the world is pushing that right now, so they, they believe that they are supposed to have it, well, then of course they have it. You know, they're the expert of everything. Of course they do. And not only do they have it, but they have it better than anyone else because everything's a competition. They have more of it than anyone else. Like everything else in their life, it's a competition. Don't forget, covert narcissists don't ever want to lose at anything. I wish you so much peace on your journey of healing. You have been listening to the Covert Narcissism Podcast with your host, Renee Swanson. Be sure to check out our website at www.covertnarcissism.com. There you will find many resources just for you to help you on this journey. You can also reach out to me by email at Renee, R-E-N-E-E, at cnglifecoaching.com. Those letters are CNG as in Covert Narcissism Group. I do look forward to hearing from you. I wish you so much peace on your journey of healing.